0: time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god they've got a vision and a mission for their life hey uh as we continue i want uh uh, there's another person i want you to get to know so give a huge shout out to my friend justin steinhardt justin come on up here
1: Oh That was sweet. I did that in elementary school at the science fair when I accepted an award, so thank you. Yeah. I did it every time I won five awards, and I did it every time I went up the stage, And for ever since, those stairs have plagued me. So. Uh, everybody say this. We love you, Justin. <laughs> ooh,
0: ooh. Hey, uh, Justin does a few things. Uh, one of the things he does is he helps make the Desperation conference happen uh, every year. He helps us with do our, doing our desperation tours. He's also the dean for DLA. We have students that are getting college credit as they're here. And so I, he's around all the time, and he's making stuff happen. I wanted you to know him, him to know you. And so you want to say anything to tag real quick?
1: Uh, I do. Uh, sorry, Dave. I, just, I like to hear my sound of my voice. Um, I'm a Colorado native, grew up here. I love Colorado. I love all you Coloradoans that are in the audience. Yes. Um, grew up in Monta Vista on a farm. Uh, In high school, uh, and this is going to lead to why I love you guys Um, High school, uh, my dad died my freshman year And um, I just have a real big heart for the fatherless And those of you that are here that have lost your fathers Whether they've abandoned you or whether through death I just want you to know that God loves you He thinks you're strong, he thinks you're beautiful, he thinks you're handsome He has a plan for you and he cares for you I want you to know that even though you may lack a physical father, there's a spiritual father in heaven that loves and cares for you more than any physical father could. So, love you guys. Uh, I'm so excited when we found out, just been praying for you guys. It's been an awesome adventure, and I can't wait to see where that Holy Spirit train takes us. So, it'll be good. Give Justin a big hand,
0: everybody. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We're talking about finding our identity in Jesus. And so that's where we'll be tonight. That's the, this new series, ID. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 15 and let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at TAG. God, we thank you for young men and women that are following you. I thank you for those that are leading diligently on their high school campus. Thank you for the prayer meetings that I'm hearing about that are starting on campuses across the city. God, I ask that you would continue to work amongst us. God, I ask that you would speak to us. God, do a new thing in each one of us. We love you. Amen. Yeah, I'm interested. Is uh, anybody from Lewis Palmer here, high school? Lewis Palmer? it's all right, all right. Pretty weak, all right. How about uh, Timberview? All right, couple of you, all right. Challenger? Oh, not bad, a couple Challenger. All right, Pine Creek? Oh, stronger, all right. Okay, TCA? Right. Okay, I'm just getting to learn who's here. All right, now yell at me your school, who else is here? All right, all right, all right, all right well, you need... Make sure I know your schools. Come up and tell me your school because I'll say something each week. I need to know if you're here, all right? Luke chapter 15, if you're there, I wanna tell you a little bit, talk a little bit tonight about finding your identity in God. And uh, this, this really happened for me in a powerful way when I was uh, 12, year, 12 years old. Are there any 12-year-olds here? 12? 12-year-olds, are you 12? If you're here, 12, come on now. There it is. And, and I just wanna tell you the story uh, to start off. I grew up as a triplet, um, and so I, I was born with two other girls, uh, and, uh, they, David, Dana, and Deborah I have a little brother named Dan. He's, tw- he's old though. Where's Dan? Front row. All right, Dan, stand up. This is my brother, Dan, right here. Yeah, there you go. And so it was David, Dana, Deborah, and Dan, and, uh. And so we, I, I, so we grew up in northern Idaho, but um, we moved from northern Idaho to Oklahoma. Can you say Oklahoma? Woo! Moved to Oklahoma when I was 12 years old. And, uh, and so I was 12 years old, and, and, and I just, I, I want to tell you my story a little bit tonight because I hit probably the most difficult season of my life when I was 12. Uh, when, I was, when I was in the second grade, I, I had a, uh, uh, literally my thyroid stopped working, and so, uh, and so it was a disease that we didn't know that I had, and so... Basically, second grade, you know, you're about this tall in second grade, and and so my sisters got taller in, in the third grade. So second grade looked like doop doop doop, and third grade looked like doop doop doop, and then fourth grade was doop
1: doop doop,
0: fifth grade doop doop doop, and so sixth grade, and so all the way through, so they became, you know, they were growing normally as most people do, uh, but I I I didn't. I just I stopped, and so and so. Uh, it was at the, the summer between my sixth and seventh grade year, actually, that I went to the doctor and found out that I had this problem and all that. And, uh, but but, but I, I started to go through a real identity crisis, actually, because uh, when I was in Idaho, I had lots of friends, and I really enjoyed my life in Idaho. I loved life. I uh, went to a Christian school, and um, my dad was a pastor and, and I was real involved with sports and just, I really, I really loved who I was. I loved my friends. I loved my church. I loved my, my I just, I loved life. And I was kind of known for being, you know, a kid that loved life. I was involved in everything. Uh, I was, I, I, I just, high energy, if you can imagine that. And, um, and so then when we made this move to Oklahoma, it was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. And uh, I went from going to a Christian School, uh, where my dad actually pastored the largest church in town and, and it, just kind of everybody it was a, real easy for me to go into a bigger city We moved to oklahoma city and and, and so it was a big city, so it wasn 't like the small town and so i didn 't have any friends uh, when, I, when I moved there, obviously, and I went from a Christian school to a public school, and so the little Christian school was about one hundred and sixty kids. Uh, from preschool up through twelfth grade, so really little school, and then um, when I moved to Oklahoma, I went to this school that was seventeen hundred in the seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and so, and so I got I got I got to seventh grade in Oklahoma, new city. Uh, my dad pastored a, a church that was about 10 miles away from where I went to school, so really there, was no, there, there wasn't many kids that went to my school that also went to my church. and So pretty much I went to my first day of seventh grade without really knowing anybody, and, and I, was, I, I, I didn't really have the whole dress cool thing down like I do now, because uh, what are you laughing at? Uh, I stole this from John Egan, actually. I ripped this off of him, and so this is actually John's. Um, But anyway, and so that's how I stay cool is I take other people's clothes, right, Dan? And so, um, all right, but anyway, I think, anyway. And so this T-shirt I'm wearing is yours, Dan, just FYI. (laughs) But I won't show that because that'd be weird. But anyway, so... So, so I, I literally showed up first day and I was wearing cleats. I know that's kind of weird, but uh, I, I wore cleats to seventh grade. And so I wore cleats the first day. Uh, I wore a little uh, a t-shirt that said Northwest Nazarene University, which was awkward. And then I, I had on these uh, shorts that just, just weren't cool. And, and uh, so I showed up and, and it to my first day of seventh grade and it was a rough day. I mean, it was really tough. I, I, was, I was between four foot three and four foot four. Um, and so I was, a, I was a little kid and uh, showed up first day and I, I mean kind of went in not really realizing that I was going to have a, a bad day. I mean I, I had so many other friends and was pretty confident in who I was and so I showed up first day of school thinking that realistically this is I, things are going to go well for me. And I showed up and just really had a hard time. I... I, I literally, and I'm not, I'm not making this up, but I just, I went through a really tough season. I had 17 different kids say things like, hey, the kindergarten's down the street. One guy uh, literally jammed me in a locker, and uh, I couldn't get out, and that was the worst part. Um, I, and I just, I had, to, I had a horrible day, and, and, and then literally went back the next day, and it was the same thing, and I just started to ha- go through this identity crisis, and, and, and kind of trying to start figuring out who I was. And I had never really known that there was kind of, you know, these different groups you have, you know, you have, when you get to school, as you guys know, you've got kind of the athletes or the jocks, so you've got kind of the preps, you've got in your world, you've got, I don't know, scenes in Elmo or emo. I mean, you got, you got, you got all this stuff. I'm learning new language, but, but you got, you had these different groups, you know, and, uh, sorry, I'm more in the, uh, have little kids with Elmo than I am in the emo world. But anyway, and so and so, I I I was trying to figure out kind of who I was, and, and really just started to go through this ripping apart of my heart because I had really up to that point felt like I loved life and I loved who I was, and in this season I found myself going the opposite direction. And I remember every Tuesday I would spend uh, time hanging out with my dad. My dad was my best friend my whole life, and uh, he is to this day. We talk every week. He's in his mid sixties and uh he's just he's my i mean he's my best bud we talk all the time and he was my best friend then i mean he we just we were buds uh and and so i and so i i literally every tuesday we'd go out and so it was the second tuesday after school had started and uh all my whole life I, my my favorite time was hanging out with dad on tuesdays and he called up to my room and said david let's go let's let's, let's go and and every other Tuesday, I mean, for years, I'd run down, we'd go, you know, grab something to eat or hang out together, and that was my favorite time. But on this Tuesday, I, I didn't, I just kind of sat there, sat in my room. He yelled again, and I didn't go. So he came up to my room, and, uh, and, he, and he began to talk to me, and he just said, David, what's wrong? And I didn't really want to tell him because my dad was, you know, he was, uh, an athlete. He was a scholar. A scholar. He literally was uh, salutatorian in college. He was on a full ride in college for for athletics. He was a pitcher. He was a he was a basketball player. He played varsity basketball in college. And he had gone on to be a coach before he was a pastor. And so he was really cool. He'd grown up cool, and I just didn't really have the nerve to tell him. Hey, I hate to tell you this, Dad, but your son's a nerd. And um, but I was going through that, and that's what I was feeling. Is I was feeling like I'm never going to measure up. I'm not the scholar at all. Uh, I, I really don't have any friends at this point. Um, there's no way on earth that I'm going to make the basketball team. I can guarantee you that. And I, I started to go through this, who am I anyway? Who am I? What am I about? So my dad looked at me, and my dad, who is a, 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 is a Christ follower, he's, he's just, I mean, he's probably the most authentic Christ follower I've ever known. And he looked at me, and he said, David, he said, what's wrong? I, I said, nothing. And he said, David. What's wrong? I have nothing. My dad got down on one knee so he could look his teenager, eyeball to eyeball. And he looked at me and he goes, son, what's wrong? And I just began to weep. And I just, tears floated down my, my cheeks and I just began to tell him, dad, I hate life right now. I hate I, I don't. I don't have friends right now. I don't. I, I hate school. I don't know who. I don't have. I don't know who to be. I said. I, I just. I mean, my triplet sisters and the two girls. I was like, they're doing fine. They're like, have all these friends, and they're like off to the races. And I like. I just. I, but I, I. I hate it. I, and I just began to weep. And I told them how much I hated school. And how I just didn't feel like I had friends. And I had every expectation that my father who loved me dearly, I mean, and I knew he loved me. I expected him to say, son, we'll rip you out of that school. We'll throw you in a Christian school. We'll, 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 I'll fix this. That's what I expected because he was a father that loved me. He took good care of me. I expected him to look at me and say, I, I wanna fix this, this for you. But instead, I'll never forget, tears just you know, began to f- flood down. He, he doesn't cry. It just, He just had tears like right here. And he looked at me and he goes, Is really that hard? I said, yeah. He said, you really want to quit? I said, I do. He said, you really don't know who you are? I said, no, sir. And he looked at me and he winked And he said, good. I said, what? And he said, good. He said, son, it's on this day. He said, it's on this day that you'll decide who you're going to be. He said, it's actually a great privilege for you to be a 12-year-old and facing this crisis moment. He said, because either you'll find your identity in a God who loves you and believe all the things that your mom and I have told you about God, or, or you'll become a radical rebel. But either way, right now, is a, is, a, is a moment where you're gonna decide what you're gonna believe. And he said, you can go back into that junior high confident in God and God alone, and that God and that Jesus is your identity and that he loves you, or, or you'll, you'll probably end up in jail because you'll be one of the biggest rebels because you'll be f- so filled with hurt and, and victimization and pain. He said, son, who loves you? I said, come on, dad. No, let's just say it. You do. Who else? God does, son who loves you, you do, who else? God does. And as he would say that, he would just kind of renew my mind in the reality that God loved me. And I went back into my junior high with same height, same thing going on, but confident that God loved me. And I began to ask this question, God, what does it mean that you love me? And I remember my dad used to look at me and he used to say, David, you're a John Wesley. And I went back into my school going, I'm a John Wesley. I'm a John Wesley. He loves me. God loves me. I'm a John Wesley. About a month later, I looked at my dad. My voice hadn't changed yet. And I was like, dad, who's John Wesley? You know, like, <laughs> but began to just walk into, into life as a 12 year old. And, and over the course of the years ahead, I'm going to tell you so many stories about what God did, but. But, but I want you to know that you've heard me tell stories about things, and you're, you'll hear more about what God did in junior high, what God did in high school, and what God did in college, and, and really, I believe what God's still doing today. But I want you to know the, the moment that changed my life. And the moment that changed my life was not the first time I ever heard that Jesus existed. I've, I've, I'd heard that my whole life. It wasn't you know, a moment where I hit a sinful rock bottom. That wasn't the moment. The moment that changed my life was when I realized that on my own, I was never gonna attain to anything. I was never gonna attain to much. And started to go, all right, God, if it's true, if it's true that you're real, that your love is real, then I don't wanna define my life based upon what the kids on the basketball team think, what the guy that jammed me in the locker thinks, what the girls think, what the teachers think. My teacher called me Alf the first day of school, which that's not culturally relevant because you do not know like that, but as a three foot monster. And so, and, 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 but I get, began to go, you know, what? I'm, not, I'm not gonna define my life that way. I'm gonna define my life. I'm gonna define my life based upon the fact that you love me. And that, those little words going back and forth that, in that conversation I had with my dad, who loves you, God does. Who loves you? God does. Who loves you? God does. And I and I have this conviction, not because I've read it in a book. I have a conviction, not because not because someone told me, not because I heard someone else's sermon. I have a conviction that if that truth goes deep into a twelve-year-old's heart or a fifteen-year-old's heart, transformation is inevitable. And if we start to find our identity and the love of our our Father, our God, it will change you. I just want to read this story. This is a famous story. One that Jesus told, Luke 15, verse 11, says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, "'Father, give me my share of the estate.'" So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off on a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So imagine Jesus, he's sitting there with a circle of people, fire going, and Jesus telling the story. He says, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven against you. And here it is, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father, one, saw him. was filled with compassion for him. Ran to him. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. His son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So here's the famous story that Jesus tells, because when Jesus is telling this story, what he's doing is he's wanting to convey in a parable what he's like. And so he's sitting around with people and you've got Pharisees and scribes and you've got Jesus sitting with the sinners. And they're all ticked. They're all frustrated. The Pharisees going, why does this man eat with sinners? Come on, we thought he was a rabbi. We thought he was a man of God. Why does he do that? And so when Jesus tells a story, Jesus is saying, I want you to know what I'm like. I want you to know how I think. I want you to know who I am. Because when we look at Jesus, we look at literally what God is like. If you want to know what God the Father is like, look at Jesus. Jesus personifies who God is. So here Jesus is saying, I want you to know. I want you to know the way that I see these broken people. And he tells this story. And the intriguing thing about this story is that all of us can relate to it. Sure I know that most of us have grown up hearing this called the prodigal son but there's nothing unique about the prodigal the prodigal is your story the prodigal is my story when we hear this parable it's like a mirror it's like we're 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 literally hearing our story in the story that Jesus tells which is the wisdom and the glory of Jesus storytelling i mean Jesus knows exactly what he's doing and he grips our hearts because when you hear the story of the prodigal every single person that understands life knows that that prodigal that person that said forget it all knows that you've had those tendencies, whether mass and big, and you've gone and pursued sin, or whether it's a bad attitude. No matter what, it's the lack of perfection. No matter what, it's not the righteousness of Christ. So you find yourself, that's me. And so in that, you hear Jesus, he he looks and he says, let me tell you what I'm like. Let me tell you what my father's like. Let me tell you. And he tells the story of this prodigal who goes and sins. And there's this intriguing line right here where he says, and and I will go back to my father and I'll say to him, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now based upon law, based upon Jewish tradition, that is true. He should not be welcomed home. But you and I, based upon the kindness of the Father, based upon the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I want you to know that that thought exists in our minds, but it's a lie. And it's one of the the dominant lies that keeps us from living like sons. Because all of us know what it's like. All of you know, all of you know what it's like to not... to to, to sin, to step away from God. You know what it's like to not have worship in your heart. You know what it's like to not be in prayer. You know what it's like to have lust in your heart. You know those things. You know what it's like to, to whatever the sin is that you've grappled with. And all of us know what it's like then because the, the lie of the enemy comes and goes, you're not worthy. You're pathetic. And you walk in here and there's the kids at the front and they're like, I'm in love with you. And they're like, I am counting on, I am counting on. And the enemy's going, that's not you. Could never be you. Could never be you. You know this week as well as I do. There's no way he won't accept you. You're no longer worthy. You're no longer worthy. You're no longer worthy. And in it, the enemy is trying to find your identity as a slave to sin. Rather than a son of the Father. And in it, the lie of the enemy is you're a slave to sin. You're pathetic. You can't do it. Not, you're a son. But every single one of us, every single one of us is either fully a slave to sin or you're fully a son. If you've said yes to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you are a son or you are a daughter. It's you you're not you're not the the slave to sin the struggling to love God. You know? No, you are redeemed by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus paid the debt for your sin and you've said yes to him. You are a son that may struggle with sin. There's a big difference. In the emotional makeup of how you come in this place and worship. How you show up to the furnace prayer room to pray. How you lead the prayer meeting on your campus. How you walk in righteousness on your campus. It matters a lot On if you see yourself as the slave to sin. And you're addicted to all these sins. And you're struggling to love God. Versus the one that goes, I am in love with God. And Jesus redeem me. And yes, I'm weak and I'm broken. But I, lo- I, I am a son. See, because sons. Sons know who they are based upon the Father. Not based upon their performance. Not if if you when when we read Jesus, Jesus is saying, I, I want you to know what I'm like. I, I'm the kind that, like the father, that runs, hugs, has compassion, kisses, embraces, and says, You're my son. Kill the calf, put a ring on his finger, alive the, the enemy. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new. Say new. Come on, say new. Yeah. He's a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. It's just that simple. It's just... That reality, you're a new creation. Yeah, but I don't feel like a new creation. I feel like a slave to sin and I feel feel like I'm no longer worthy. No, 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 you are a new creation. You will never be more righteous in God's eyes. He doesn't see you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees what Jesus did. He doesn't look at you and go, oh yeah, hopefully they'll get, no, he looks at you and goes, I see you. you said yes to Jesus. This is not about your attainment. This is about what Jesus did. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why we talk about Jesus all the time. That's why every week on Wednesday night, you're gonna hear a lot about Jesus because ultimately it's all about who he is, what he did for us. And and, And literally we could come and go, all right, I am a new creation. I am, the old has gone. Yeah, but I don't feel it. And that's the big thing that people give into. If I don't feel it, it must not be true. No, it is true. The gospel is true. The good news of Jesus Christ is good news. You go, that's too good to be true. No, it's the gospel. That's why it's called the good news. That's why when Jesus shows up and when when all of a sudden there's the big word in Israel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's really good news. It's really, hey, there's there's a one that's going to set us free. There's one who's going to set us free from the works of the devil. There's one who's really going to help us. It's not repent for hell is hot. No, it's repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's good news. Repent. You don't have to live in this, in, with invisible chains keeping you addicted to sin. No, you can live free. Repent. Guess what? You don't know this, but you're going to rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. What? Repent because the power of God is available to you. No. Repent because literally you get to be in the presence of God. Are you kidding me? It's good news. The idea of repentance is not this. Oh well, I got to give up all these fun things to try to do the holiness thing. Oh no, 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 no! Let me tell you something. The, the, this message of Jesus, we're we're literally to be the happiest people on the planet. We've got the good news. Jesus saved us. He redeemed us. He took our place. We're not going to hell. We're, it's not those things. We've got all the invitation to the greatness of the kingdom. Ha ha ha! That's who we are. The lie of the enemy is he looks at you and he goes, Might be good for him, might be good for her, but you, and that lie, that's the thing. I've been around teenagers' youth conference stuff for a lot of years, and that's the lie that I've just come to hate because kids believe it. They believe the devil, they listen to the devil. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I kissed so-and-so, I guess I should just settle for pig slop. Yeah, I cheated on this test. I guess I'll just live eating with the pigs, being a pathetic loser. He'll never take me back. Yeah. Might work for the pastor or my parents or some other kid that, And I'm telling you friends, you've got to be bold and strong and let the knowledge of the truth of Jesus get so into your heart. When that when the devil talks to you like that, where are the kids that talk back to the devil? You know in Matthew 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness. After Matthew 3, 17, Father says, hey, this is the one that I delight in. Then in chapter four, it says that Jesus is led into the wilderness. by the He uh, goes into the wilderness. There he is. The devil comes and tempts him. The devil comes to him and says, hey, take this rock, turn it into bread. And Jesus looks at him and goes, oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Jesus looks back at him and he goes, it is written, man, we will not live by bread alone. The devil's like, He comes back to him and the devil says, hey, throw yourself down from the temple. Jesus looks back at him. (sighs) It is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Uh Devil comes, bow down and worship me. He says, it is written. You shall have no other gods. And the devil left him alone. You know why you don't talk back to the devil? You don't have the word of God in your heart. We don't. We have so many preaching veggie tales and podcasts and churches, cultural. No, no. In this house, we're the ones that the word of God is so alive in them that literally when those lies come, they look back and they have the scripture and they're full of it and they're talking back to the devil. Come on. I'm gonna put that on a t shirt, Justin. Make it for desperation this year. I talk back to the devil, suckers. Come on. When the lie of the enemy comes, when the lie of the enemy whispers and says, You're no, you're not good. You can't do it. Friends, you are a new creation. I don't care what lie the enemy says, I don't care if he calls you whatever name, whatever thing, you are are a new creation the old is gone the new has come and you stand in that identity you stand and this is who I am that I have a son and he says no but you you you're doing this you're do, you're, you're you're struggling with this sin. no I have a son and and take this verse you could take this verse there you go I never thought of that take this verse all week long I have a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Take that devil. Take it all week. I'm a, I'm a new creation. I said yes to Jesus Christ. He is way bigger than you. He is way bigger than any. Other. He is the big, he's coming back. Eyes like fire. He's gonna literally, I mean, he is the biggest thing forever. We're all gonna worship him. He's the biggest deal there is. I'm his, I'm a son. I'm okay. I'm a daughter. I'm all right. See, what happens to sons and daughters? Sons and daughters are fearless. I have little sons and daughters. I have, I have a, a little boy, two little girls and they live in my house. It's not their house, it's my house. They live in my house, but you know what? Everything that I have is theirs. My iPhone, theirs. Oh yeah. My couch, theirs. My Cheetos, theirs. (laughs) Everything that I have is theirs. It's hilarious to me, it happens all the time. The today, today, Olivia, dad, yes? Can I have some chocolate? I don't, uh, do we have any chocolate? Let me show you. <laughs> there it is. Sure, here you go, don't tell mom. <laughs> Adeline, can I have some yogurt? She didn't tell you like that, she's too. Yogurt, that's what she is. Yogurt, yogurt. Do we have yogurt? Sure, it's yours. Whatever, whatever, guys, you're my tribe. You're my people. You're called by my name. Whatever you want, it's all yours. Everything that I have is yours. That's the way that sons live. Sons don't look at Christianity as like, oh, what do I gotta do to please the father to make it into heaven? Oh man. No, sons show up and it's all ours. When I go to my dad's house in Washington, I go to, when I go, I'm I'm 33 years old. I got one foot in the grave, I'm almost dead. But when I go to my parents' house, they're in their 60s. They're closer than I am. When I go to their house, I go in. I don't ask them permission to eat their food. I just eat their food. When I go to my dad's office, my dad has a lot of books. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad's inherited books. My dad's bought books his whole life. My dad's never spent anything on clothes. And you can tell he has everything uh, in books, that's like, that's, that is what he's rich in. And that's all, no inheritance for me and Dan. When my parents die, all we're getting is books, no dollars. But, but, but when it comes to books, he's got books. You know what I do when I go to my dad's house? I don't even tell him. I'm just like, well, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I was reading for this sermon tonight. I looked at the front, I said, Hal Perkins. I was like, whoops, cross it off. David Perkins, it's mine. <laughs> you know what? My dad doesn't care. My dad loves it that I steal his books. You know why? He loves his boy. All that he has is mine. Whatever he's got. And as a son, as a daughter, you live in the father's house. All that he has is yours. The gift of prophecy, yours. The power of the Holy Spirit, yours. Redemption forever, yours. Feasting with him, knowing him, yours. All that he has is yours. This thing called following Jesus, this thing called giving our lives to the kingdom, it is not the miserable existence on planet earth where we pray to prayer and wait and marinate on earth until the day that we die so we can go to heaven where we avoid all the fun stuff. No, no, victory over nations is yours. <laughs> I'm talking authority over, this, over demons in the spiritual realm, yours. Joy. Joy. Yours. Peace. Yours. Love. (laughs) Yours. It's all yours. Problem is, we don't live like sons and daughters. We live like slaves. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm worthy to get that gift. I don't know if I'm worthy to have that fruit of the spirit. I don't know if I can really overcome. I don't know. I don't know. And it's the lie of the enemy. And tonight I'm asking you to rise up strong, to be what God's called you to be. Talk back. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't buy in. Anybody ever seen the movie Lion King? Yeah. In this movie, you know it well because there's a little innocent lion named Simba. Simba has a dad named, <laughs> say it again, Mufasa. And he's got an uncle named Scar. And you remember the story? You remember where Scar looks at little Simba and he lies to him and he tells him that he's the one that killed his father? And he looks at him and he says, Run far, far away. Run far, he lies to him. Scar lies to him. Roaring lion, devouring this little guy, and he says, I'm far away. Simba believes the lie. Simba goes, and instead of being the king that he is, instead of taking his position to lead at Pride Rock, he goes out to the swamplands and hangs out with farting pigs. <laughs> right? Pumbaa, Timon. Right? You guys know this one? This one goes back to my day, so you're doing pretty good. Right? He goes out, he hangs out in swamplands, Kuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase, no worries, chill out. Avoiding who he's called to be, right? Avoiding it all, believed a lie, lived in a swampland. Instead of feasting on antelope and an elephant and being the the king of the jungle, he's slurping down worms. (sniffs) Well, now I'm used to it. it, tastes like chicken, right? Remember? And all of a sudden he gets used to the worms. First it's disgusting. Then he gets used to it. Let's just chill out. No worries. That's where a lot of us live. Satan lies to you. You're, you're a prince. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're royalty. You've been called to lead. Everything is available back for you. You're, you are, I mean, literally, if you read the scriptures, where this thing ends up for those who follow Christ Jesus, I mean, we are sons and daughters. We are, we are, we are princes and princesses. It all comes back. And we live in the swampland. So tonight, I just feel like being the little Rafiki witch doctor monkey and come beating you on the head. Remember that? Pow! <laughs> remember that? That's what I feel like doing tonight. Pow! <laughs> you remember what it is? All of a sudden, Mufasa. Here's the voices. What does he say? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. If you know that you're a son, everything in the kingdom of God is yours. It's yours. It's yours to take. You're a daughter. It's yours. Yours to take. You will live differently. You will have strength when, when all of a sudden it's time to worship. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The enemy will look at you and say, You're pathetic here. You're pathetic here. You're pathetic here. And you'll slowly become a second rate Christian. But if you live, I understand that I'm not perfect. I understand that I fall short. And you will for 40, 50 years. You're going to have bad days over and over and over. You have some good days. You have some bad days. But if you have a confidence, an interior confidence, that he loves you, that he delights in you, that he rescued you because he delights over in, in you. If you. If that lives in here, that you could come, and it doesn't matter what lie of the enemy comes, you'll come and you'll be strong. You'll come before God. You'll come up weak, broken, absolutely, but confident. He loves me. When we sing those songs, he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. It's not a, well, he might love me still. I don't know. And it's a, oh, he loves me. He delights in me. And when you have that, the people that have that roar in their heart, the people that know that they're loved, that that their father loves them, they literally become the most powerful people on the planet. And the way that they live life, the way that 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 they walk it out on earth is filled with fervor, with passion and with purpose. They're not living in the fearful, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. What are they gonna, is God gonna gonna hurt me? Is God mad at me? He loves me. Oh, how, oh, I don't know. No, 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 no. Arms outstretched, heart wide open. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Because he loves me, I can walk out of here a different person. I can walk out of here powerful. And it's the most, it's, it's, Free from the chains of sin, set free, set free from bondage, from performance. <laughs> Never forget, I grew up a soccer player. Any soccer players out here? <laughs> when I was in the fifth grade, when I was in the fifth grade, there was a kid on my team named David, other than me. And uh, his dad was a former soccer coach. Wasn't the coach of the team. He just was a former soccer coach. His dad was, I think, in the military. His dad was real tall, had like a buzz cut, and he was just like this man's man kind of guy. And uh, I'll never forget his dad starting to come to our games, and he would always mess with me because he'd yell at David and I was, but I was always like. Run harder, run stronger, hustle up, come on. And then he'd be like, you, you're pathetic, David. And he'd yell it out there. And you know, I'm like, what? Oh, him, all right, your son's pathetic. Okay, fine. You know, like I knew he wasn't yelling at me, but. And I watched this kid, David, on my team. You know, he was probably, he was, probably, he was one of the best soccer players by far. He was way better than me. Which isn't that much, but. And, and I just remember watching him play soccer out of this performance mode. Out of this, trying to please, desperately, David on the soccer field, trying to please his mean dad on the sideline. Yell at him, get mad at him. When he'd miss a a kick into the goal, he'd come over and he'd he'd embarrass his son in front of all of us little fifth grade boys. We were all kind of scared of him. And a lot of you, you, that's how you picture your father. Picture God, he's kind of mad at you. When you mess up, he's yelling at you. You know what? The way that I played, I had a dad that, he, he, just, he just loved me. He didn't love me because I was a good soccer player. He didn't really even care. He just loved me. And the way that I played soccer, I just played my heart out and played my best and loved it and went for it. Why? Just because I, I, I didn't have any fear of a dad beating me down. I just had, a, I had the knowledge that my dad just loved it when I did well. Winked at me, high-fived me. And you know what? When I messed up, when I missed goals, I wasn't glad I missed goals. It wasn't the, my justification. Oh, see, now I can be a bad soccer player because my dad doesn't care. No, no, no. I, I wanted to please him. But I didn't perform out of fear. I just played out of love. I knew I was loved. And friends, as you, as you follow Christ, you are a new creation. You are a son. All the things of the father's house are available for you. And you don't have to live in this constant performance mode. You get to live in love, knowing you're a son, you're a daughter, and he loves you. And you're good. And you're good. Will you stand with me? I want to invite, specifically tonight, I believe there are some of you that you have walked in performance. You've walked in sin. You've walked in fear. And tonight you just go, I just wanna be a son in the father's house. I just, and I wanna do a couple things. I wanna invite first up everybody that just goes, you know what? I'm not even a Christ follower, but I, but I want to be. I, I, I want to be. I want. I want to know Jesus. I'm not gonna. I'm just. just I, you're gonna stay in your seat, and I want to pray with you. But if that's you, you're like, I want to. I want to live loved like that. I want to live as the beloved. If that's you, will you just raise your hand tonight? You go. I'll, that's me. I want to give my life to that. Good. Good. Raise them high. Raise them high. Good. 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 Repeat this prayer after me. Father. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Tonight, I say yes to Jesus. I want to live like a son in my father's house. I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I give you all give you my heart, give you my future, give you my tomorrow, give you everything. Come be my Lord, save me. Amen. If that's you, just raise your hand. Come on. Raise it up. All over. Good. Tara. and we have a, now, all of you that tonight you go, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, but I, I, uh, I, I need a revelation of the Father's love. Those of you that are like that tonight and those of you that just said yes to Jesus, I want all of you to come forward and I wanna pray for you. You want a revelation of the Father's love or you just gave your life to Christ? Come forward and I wanna pray for you. Come on, give, give these guys a hand as they come. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Keep coming. Come on. He loves you. Come on, keep coming. Put your hand on your heart like this. God, I pray for the revelation of the love of God to hit every man and every woman right here. God, I don't ask for small change. I ask, Lord God, for world changers. I ask for men and women that change the world. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would find their identity in God. And it wouldn't matter what the naysayers say. Wouldn't matter if they're popular or unpopular. Wouldn't matter if they're athletic or if they're not. If they're smart or if they're not. You love them. You love them. You love them. You delight in them. Speak your love over their hearts, God change them, change them, change them, let them walk out of here, the beloved sons and daughters,
1: in the name of Jesus.